I'm here today with Ben Wolf. Ben is a community builder, facilitator, community organizer, and wanted to talk to Ben today about the implications of the work he's been doing in community with organizations like Reimagine Peterborough, with the Peterborough Pollinators, and other groups he's engaged in. What are the implications of the emerging new urbanism that's being talked about in city planning circles and certainly we've heard a lot about in Peterborough for the uh, ongoing municipal election campaign. Welcome, Ben. Thanks, Bill. It's really nice to be invited to do this. Um, we've been involved in a few things together over the past few years. and, and uh, Indeed. You're, you're, a, <laughs> you're a recovering former uh, election candidate, and, and um, that's something I will never do. But, uh, but I still respect you very much for having given it a shot. Uh, uh, the, well, well, thanks. The, the scars take a while. <laughs> <laughs> the, the ways of working that are in those groups that you just named mm -hmm. are, uh, are worth exploring for a minute here. Uh, they are about recognizing that our large systems, our government structures may not necessarily uh, respond in the ways that we need and expect, that there are all kinds of things that we can do ourselves now on the ground as citizens to create the kind of community that we want. And I have a... What, what exactly do you mean by that? Uh, you can un unbundle that later in our conversation if you wish, but I'm curious about those actions. Well... Let's give some really small examples. So Peterborough pollinators, we have massive issues like climate change uh, surrounding us and die off of bees. What can we actually do as a community? We can reconnect with life by getting our own hands dirty and in the ground, by noticing and fostering nature right around us in our own neighborhoods, in our own gardens. Um, the pollinators, through sheer volunteer caring and effort, have done all kinds of things over the last couple of years from uh, an interconnected network of 180 identified pollinator gardens with little signs on them, an educational calendar that's about the cycles of the seasons, and, and the, the hands-on practical how-tos for anyone from a beginner to an expert on doing a garden that might range from putting a few seeds in a pot on your porch with your four-year-old to revitalizing a whole schoolyard. Um, these are ways of working that start with a heart connection to what people mm -hmm. actually want to do uh, for themselves right now and might not have the next steps or the network of people together to do, and they can come and discover that and also feed that kind of a process. The same is true with Reimagine Peterborough at an urban planning level. What is the city we want to live in and how do we how do we make that happen? I have a, I have a mentor in this kind of work who uh, um, he's, he's written a book called After Now, When We Do Not Know the Future, How Do We Begin? Uh, uh, and and it's it's about process work, and he's responding to world level crises. He spent some time in Japan uh, responding to the Fukushima disaster. You know, it doesn't get harder than that. But the uh, uh, the point, the message of it is, you begin with what you have in the room right now. That we so often spend our time and energy as citizens, as neighbors, um, feeling helpless about structures we don't have the power to influence that are slow to respond, um, organizing to come to a meeting or stage a protest, and if we're lucky, we win, and more often we lose um, on a particular issue. The reality is that stuff matters. It's important, but uh, this guy, the reason I mentioned this guy is, is that um, he said, why do we expect 
our cities and our governments to be the visionaries on the, the future that we want. What they do is they pick up the garbage uh, and, and they, uh, they make sure the snow gets plowed and uh, they are never going to be in the vanguard on these issues. It's citizens that lead government. So how does this apply to the ongoing election campaign? It's going to be uh, you know, voting voting day is in the fall, October 22nd. How, how does what you're saying uh, link over to that? Yeah, thanks. Let's bring it back to the, to the concrete. So I've just come from a discussion with some other reimagined Peterborough people. Let's get this. Here's some real specifics to bite your, your teeth into. Peterborough has an official plan that was last reviewed in an overall way in 1981. Um, we are decades out of date in our most basic document for the vision of the city. The city has undertaken a review of that plan. Um, it, that, that, that plan date, as Diane Terrian points out, was before she was born and she's on council. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well put, well put. Um, so obviously what's in that plan does not bear sufficient relationship to our needs and values as a community. Mm -hmm. So what does a city do these days to go about reviewing and rewriting a plan like that? Well, our city started by going about it in an old way. They went about it reasonably competently in an old way in that about six years ago now, they held a classic public engagement process that consisted of reaching out to a, a short list of obvious, quote, stakeholders, close quote, not citizens, mm -hmm. just stakeholders. The process at that time was adequate to the expectations of the last three or four decades of public engagement process. It involved about 180 people total. It produced a report that sat on a shelf for a long period of time, and the city considered that its public engagement work was done. Is this, if I can uh, drill down on that for a moment, is this the standard uh, sort of presentation we see at city council where uh, I call it the firing squad, or a number of us have done it over the years, where you stand up, you have your seven, your seven minutes, the cameras are going, there are no questions, and seeing no questions, thank you very much, Mr. Tavorn. See, see you next time, and that's it. Boy, so much process is just like that, and to yeah. call that public engagement, it's not. It's the outer, it's the outer reaches of a command and control approach that keeps power vested within a, a small group of people. Often, those are people of goodwill and with some expertise, but they are not listening to the community, and the process is certainly not set up with a genuine intention of listening to, reflecting on, and incorporating the input of the community. This process uh, five or six years ago was a little better than that. There were workshops. so. What is this new way? So the new, the new, the new way. Um, well, let me leap back to reimagine Peterborough and what we chose to do in response. Because our our message about the official plan is this is a once in a generation opportunity to shape the future of our community. If we are not having a wide community conversation about that in plain language that uh, uh, citizens understand, um, then we are really missing the key opportunity to have our city shaped by our voices as citizens. So reimagine recognized that the city was not set up to hear that message, that we could go into backroom channels and advocate for that, and we might have a friendly meeting with some well-meaning people, and absolutely not one thing would change. Um, we might be able to pat ourselves on the back for knowing those people enough to get in the room. So we didn't do that. We um, set up a booth in the middle of the street on Peterborough Pulse Day two springs ago, and we asked passers-by 
what is the Peterborough that you want to see around you 20 years from now? What is the community that you want to live in? And we did that with, I mean, the question was that straightforward, but it was accentuated by a giant map of the city and post-it notes in the shape of dream thought bubbles that you could write your uh, your, your uh, comment on and uh, giant sheets of paper across the booth that people could write any message on uh, they, they wanted. And we had more people engage with that question in that day than had participated in all city public input forums for the official plan over the previous five years. What sort of people who, who stopped and took the time to fill in those uh, those post-it notes? Who were they? They were a really a, a, a wide spectrum of people, uh, probably more than 90% of whom would never go to a traditional public meeting. Uh, they were uh, uh, young parents with their kids. They were um, anybody who had come to a festival sort of atmosphere downtown for any reason. And there was such delight from people at being at being asked at being asked this question. There were there were over 600 people who engaged on that day. And there were a handful of people over the course of the whole day who said, no, I don't want to talk about that. What are you doing interrupting me? Um, the, the, <laughs> the, uh, the sense of welcome, people do want to talk about these things and they don't want to do it in policy jargon and they don't want to do it in traditional public meetings. So a big part of our emphasis as we imagine in this planning process is not just on what is what are the core values of a really great official plan, but how can we um, invite and provoke a totally different generation of public engagement process? Well, Ben, if, if I could uh, interject here, uh, if I channel my, my 20 or 30-year-old self, uh, I, there's a little voice in the back of my head that's going, official plan, who the heck cares? I mean, why should citizens care about the official plan? Well, why is this a big deal? You have passion for it. Why? Uh, let me start by saying I completely agree with you. And one of the um, influences on, on us in how we've gone about this was some really great planners at the City of London, Ontario, who led possibly the best public engagement and official plan process ever run in Canada. And the planners themselves set up, literally set up a swearing jar in their office where if you used the words official plan in talking to the public about the process, you had to put money in the jar because they knew that that was going to shut down the conversation. People do not engage with this on that level. So, but you can talk about can you reach the services that you need in your own neighborhood? Is the transit system meeting your needs? Um, so, so, so what did the city of London do right? Well, uh, they went to people where they gather, mm. talked to them in plain language. They made a big splash about holding a year-long community conversation about the future of the city. And they, they actually branded that Rethink London. It was part of the inspiration for our name as reimagined Peterborough. They engaged over 16,000 people at a high level and over 200,000 people at a lower level in the process. And they went through a series of um, iterative steps in listening to people, reflecting back what they heard and saying, did we get this right? Is this what you really said? Uh, what do you want to see more of? What do you want to see less of? They reformulated their questions to citizens from planning jargon to a uh, very simple language that we've adopted here. Um, how should Peterborough as a city grow? Um, um, what, how do we incorporate our green values into what happens here? 
what is the basis of our economy and how does that relate to what makes us distinct as a community? We, um, in, my, in my view, are partly distinct as a community because we're a little outside the orbit of the GTA and we are in touch with nature around us. Okay, but I, and I understand that, but another voice in my cynical memory says, so we get involved in the official plan, but City Hall's going to do what City Hall wants to do. Why will, after all the work that organizations like the Pollinators and Reimagine uh, have done, why will City Hall listen this time? How will this official plan make it any better? Yeah, so first of all, I would say we're not necessarily going to win um, on, on, on these things. Uh, what we can do is win some ground. And um, the choice of these ways of working is, is to say, first of all, we're... Um, not necessarily achieving great victories and we're hurting ourselves if we just fight against the things that we don't want we're not attracting wide attention or necessarily making a lasting impact by working merely in the back rooms at the policy level so our approach is to combine those ways of working with a wider invitation that uh, a playful thing in the streets on that day uh, made a bunch of media that got us an audience uh, and a bunch of volunteers and curiosity that has led to our participation in those other ways being more effective. We followed up on that by making sure we have a media presence. So we've had a column in the Peterborough Examiner monthly for the past uh, 15 months or so now that is it's one step higher in communication level than a conversation on the street about a wide open question of what you want for the city. Uh, it's putting into the discussion in a way that both citizens and policymakers notice some fundamentals of choices that we have to make. I'll give a concrete example. Our typical approach to where do new subdivisions go and what do they look like is decades out of date. It does not respond to provincial policy. It is not financially sane. The reality is, in a way that we were able to try to put into the public conversation, there are 21st century planners who refer to our current form of development as a Ponzi scheme. Um, uh, because every single subdivision that we build right now ends up costing the city more to service than can ever be raised in taxes from building that. And so you have to keep building more subdivisions That's the Ponzi to, keep, scheme. to keep the pyramid That's going. That's the Ponzi scheme. So there's this fantasy ah. and illusion of, um, oh my God, it's a win. We've got 300 homes going into this subdivision on the, in a greenfield site on the edge of town, and this is all new tax revenue, and, and we reap money and development charges right now. It doesn't actually work that way. The math doesn't work. But if, the, if Mayor Bennett were in the room with us here, he would say, come on, Ben, those projects, those developments bring in jobs. We need jobs. We have high unemployment. Well, and some growth is a reality and some of it is actually mandated by the province. The question is, where does that growth belong in a way that will serve the city? And part of the message is uh, it belongs in intensification, in built up areas around the downtown in such a way that your um, um, those lots are uh, about as little as 20% is expensive to service 
as greenfield lots in the uh, in the uh, outlying areas. Oh, because they don't they don't have to build new sewers, new roads, That's uh, right. new plowing, new police patrols. It, uh, totally, those services are already here, and the densities of those greenfield developments out in the outlying areas will never be sufficient to cover their own costs of operation. Um, plus, when you build in the uh, uh, when, when you emphasize some intensification in the downtown area, you're supporting a viable transit system. You are allowing for vibrancy in the downtown that makes the downtown itself back into a neighborhood, which is something that we would love to see. Um, and these are things that part of the reason this matters so much. Why does the official plan matter so much? We're making choices that will be in place for two generations. Uh, we cannot be doing that with policy perspectives and ways of engagement that are not even caught up with 2018, we need to be looking ahead 20 and 30 years to what what our needs will be and we need to be making those choices. Okay, well, thank you. Now, how does all this, how, how do you distill all this down to advice, counsel, strategy for this municipal election? I mean, what, if, if you could influence candidates, what would you be asking them to raise as issues, what should they be doing? That's a big question, but here's <laughs> here's here's a piece of an answer okay. anyway. So, I am personally I'm looking for candidates who understand that the current approach to public engagement it's steadily improving slowly at the city is unacceptable in the 21st century. That um, talking in Policy language to citizens at traditional public meetings is an, is an unacceptable approach to deciding what the city can and should do. And that partly is because cities realistically don't have the resources to provide all of the answers. And they don't have, um, there's, there's a generational shift happening in how cities perceive their role and how staff operate. So, so how do we move City Hall from the father knows best Metaphor, forgive me. I mean, it's yeah. it's dated, but Father Knows Best was a uh, TV show years ago where the traditional father sort of ruled the roost and declared how things should unfold, which is the sense we get from City Hall. How do we change that? Do we have time for a short a short uh, story here? A very oh, absolutely. Story? Okay, so um, I I like this approach partly because I heard about it from a city manager in BC, a career city manager who had worked in three different sizes of cities, including a large one. He was in a mid-sized city on our scale, as he gave me this answer. He himself is a professional engineer. And what he had to say to me was, it, what I've learned over my decades in this work is it was a total illusion to believe that we, as the highly trained experts, had the answers to community problems. Uh, and he gave a, a very small concrete example that was one of many, but was his turning point. So a group of young mothers came to City Hall and they said, we want to be able to safely walk our kids to school. Most of the route is safe and here's a little part of the route that isn't. Um, could you please fix the sidewalk in this one spot? And then we can walk our kids to school, we won't be driving, um, there'll be more health, etc. And that's a very, very small story, but that small story was, his aha moment as the leader of a city staff to say there are all kinds of things in our city where citizens know more than we do where they actually can tell us where to make better use of our resources and not only that we could use some of our resources in facilitating citizen-led action that was the beginning of part of a turnaround it led them into things like participatory budgeting which there are steps ahead of compared to here um, um, online outreach processes for public input that 
gradually moved from small, like what's happening here right now, and maybe too jargony, to better and better, and actually meaningful and real. He gave another example. Um, I know I'm, I'm, I'm going to push you into editing this down to fit into the available time. But he gave me another example of um, if you ask an engineer, and he's an engineer, keep in mind, he was wearing his engineering ring as we were having this conversation. If you ask an engineer an engineering question, you're going to get an engineering answer. So um, how are they going to build a bridge that was uh, a new bridge that was needed for various reasons in the city? The engineering answer was to build it on a certain scale in a certain place. And he recognized through doing wider public input that if they built it in that way, they would block the future development of the most important trail and bike route through the city. Uh, it would not fit anymore if they built it that way. Um, I equate that to, you know, dare I mention the parkway debate here in Peterborough, where the reason that we have a proposal to build four lanes of road through the best, most loved park in our city, one of the treasures that is distinctiveness for mm -hmm. us as a green city and what is one of the most named reasons that people want to live here is an engineering company yeah. was asked an engineering question about where to move traffic most effectively instead of us having a conversation about community values with citizens that would never have given that answer. Interesting, you know, and you actually i was at a city hall meeting when you sort of turned the game on its head and i, I remember so clearly uh people were getting up and doing their seven minute presentation to city council i believe it was about the parkway and you got up and introduced yourself started your presentation then you paused and then you turned around and addressed the audience and got the audience to start answering uh, one or two questions and I, i'll always remember the look on the faces of the council members they said you can't do this this is heresy what was your memory of that evening uh, well i wanted to um uh, one of the ways of working in all of these processes is to sit with a couple of people you don't know and ask them why they care about the reason that we got together uh, it's such a simple thing to suggest, and it never happens at a traditional public meeting. You're sitting in rows of chairs next to people who maybe are even afraid to talk to each other because, oh my God, you might be on the other side of this issue, and maybe I'm supposed to hate you. Whereas, if I, if I, um, what I, what I asked people in the gallery at that council meeting was to introduce themselves to each other, and say something about their uh, reason for being there that night, why they cared about being at the meeting, and I used some of my quote time as a speaker um, to do that. Well, you're hitting on a nerve, and it's a question that certainly there's a lot of interest in now. Our politics have become so partisan, so divisive. It seems, is social media, does social media have anything to do with that? People are quick to go to insult and mockery very soon instead of debate. What's the, what's the antidote to that? I'm going to give you that in the form of a very concrete example. So some of the people that were in favor of the parkway, there were some of them that were in favor of it because they live in neighborhoods in the north end of the city where they don't feel their kids are safe because people are um, driving through what are meant to be slow-moving residential streets to deal with traffic bottlenecks at certain intersections at certain times. I need to hear that. I need to not just hear that, but I need to make sure there's an answer to that problem, which touches me at a heart level. If somebody feels their kids are unsafe, um, then uh, um, that problem needs a solution. And meanwhile, if we've actually formed enough of a relationship by having that conversation in a safe one-to-one -one or a little circle of three people way, 
maybe they're going to hear me for the first time ever in saying that uh, spending $130 million somewhere else in the city and putting uh, four lanes of traffic through our most beautiful park doesn't actually solve that problem. Um, okay. So, Ben, we're almost winding down here. Uh, what is the one thing you'd like to, one or two things you'd like to see come out of this election campaign, just as issues that get airtime? I want to see, wow, I want to see 21st century planning values that are around uh, what what the development choices that we make about our city actually mean for preserving what we care about in the city, um, for making it all financially viable. And I also want to see, uh, show me the candidates who model a different way of engaging and who promise that our next council will engage with citizens in a completely different way. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Ben. Really appreciate your time.